thanks so much to Dean and to those who have been leading us in our singing of God's praise today. We appreciate that all so much. I was saying earlier to the kids that appearances can be deceptive. That's what we discovered when we were on our holiday. And I, I guess that's the classic children's talk, isn't it? Don't judge on the outward appearance, and yet we do exactly that thing in our lives. So often in situations, we look at places or we look at people and we have our mind made up what that place or what that person is like by the way in which they appear on the outside. During the, the, the summer, I was flicking through the channels, and you know the way sometimes you begin to watch a program and you think at the end, why did I sit and watch all of that? But you kind of get reeled in. And it was a program about this family who sold watches. Now, I mean like really, really expensive watches, not watches that are hundreds of pounds or even thousands of pounds, but tens of thousands of pounds. And quite often you got these guys coming along and trying to sell them a watch and saying, look, you'll be interested in this. And it was all about them finding out whether the watch was the real thing. And what I discovered in that program is that even when someone is an expert, they can look on the outside and they can look at the face and the case, they can look at the strap, and they can make a pretty good judgment as to whether it is the real thing or not. But quite often for this family, because of the value that was involved, they sent the watch away to be checked up properly. And someone, an expert, opened it up, had a look on the inside. And by looking inside the watch, that expert was able to determine, is this the real thing? Is this an authentic watch that is worth tens of thousands of pounds? Or is it a really good copy that's worth a few hundred quid? And that was the case with the church in a place called Sardis. On the face of it, it seemed like the real thing. It was a church that was going well. It was a church that when people looked on from the outside, they would have said, that's a good church to be part of. It's, it's healthy, it's vibrant, it's active. There's lots of stuff going on. And yet the all-seeing, all-knowing Lord of the church, the Lord Jesus, He could not be fooled. And He saw what the church in Sardis was really like. Today, we are returning again to our series in Revelation chapter 2 and 3. It's worth reminding ourselves for a moment about the background to what we're reading here. Remember that these are letters that were received by the Apostle John. In other words, one of the disciples of Jesus, John, who at this stage had been exiled to the island of Patmos. He was there fleeing away from persecution, and the church was facing intense persecution at this point. And while he was on that island under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, John received a vision. He received a revelation, hence the name of the book, in which he saw how things would be for God's people at the end of time. But under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that vision that John received, including this letter, 
became part of our Scripture. And that's a really important thing for us to keep in mind today. That's what transforms our reading of this book and of this specific letter together in church this morning. That what we see here is Christ's verdict on the church. This is not a letter that was written by John. It was written by Jesus. And so, in these letters, not only is Jesus rebuking and challenging and encouraging these particular churches that are mentioned by name, He is telling the whole church what He wants it to be. So, for us, what we can say, and this is of great importance, is that this is a message from Christ to His church in all places at all times, including here in Connor in the summer of 2022. And the church that the Lord Jesus wrote to here in Sardis, it was a church that seemed to have no obvious problems. It's a kind of church that if you were on holiday and you were looking for a place to worship and you'd popped into that church, you would have probably come away with a good impression. You would have said, yeah, that was a good place. And Sardis was a good place to live. It was a really wealthy city. It was a city that happened to be right in the middle of five major trade routes. So, it was a really prosperous city. And the church within this place, Sardis, appeared to be the good and right kind of church to be part of. It didn't seem to have the problems that we have been reading about its neighboring congregations encountering. On the outside, there didn't seem to be all of that persecution that some of these other churches that we've been reading about faced. On the inside, there is no mention of the false teaching that seemed to be such a huge problem in some of the other churches that we've been looking at during this series. And yet, Sardis was one of the most heavily criticized churches by the Lord Jesus. Some of His strongest words of rebuke were leveled against the church here in Sardis. Why? Well, simply because Sardis was a church that lacked reality. It wasn't authentic. And Jesus could see right beneath the surface. He could see deep into the life of this church and the people who made up this church. He knew their hearts, and He knew that all was not well. And maybe it's because this church lacked specific problems that it was in the difficulty it was, because it had become complacent. It was a church that was sleepwalking along. And as a result, the Lord Jesus uses most of this letter to rebuke and challenge His followers who made up this fellowship here in Sardis. So, let's take a closer look at what Jesus says to the church there. If you've got your Bibles with you, turn with me, please, to Revelation chapter 3 and to those opening verses. And we're going to look at this really simply and briefly using three words. We're going to hear about the rebuke, 
the remedy, and then finally the reward. First of all, the rebuke that Jesus brought against this church. And his complaint against his church in Sardis can be summarized in the dramatic thing that he says in verse 1. He says, you have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. And you can't get a greater contrast than that, the contrast between life and death. And lots of the people in this church, they would have been shocked by the criticism that Jesus brought against them. What us dead? How are we nearly dead? Look at our church. Look at what's going on. Look at all of the stuff that we're seeking to do. It was a church, but that had become complacent. And so, Christ cries out to them in verse 2, wake up. Wake up. And He continues in the third verse, if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I will come to you. Jesus is saying, I'll step in in judgment in the life of your church if you don't wake up and change your ways. So, what was the problem that existed in Sardis that caused the Lord Jesus to be so critical and so strong in His words? Well, it was the fact that the, the reality did not match up to their reputation. There was a problem with the things that they were doing as a church. Look back at verse 2. Jesus says to them, I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of my God. He's literally saying there, your deeds are not fulfilled. So that they were just going through the motions. They were, they were performing duties, but they were not fulfilling God's purposes. What they were doing was not advancing the kingdom of God. It was not growing His kingdom in the world. They had this reputation among people of being solid and being strong, but in the Lord's sight, they were defective. And people, this is a really important distinction for us to see, this distinction between reputation and reality. What people think of us and what we are really like. And it's something that's talked about a lot in the Scripture. We remember how it is with God. If we think back to the book of 1 Samuel and 1 Samuel 16, and there, after Saul has been such a great failure as king, God is choosing another king, and He sends Samuel to the, to the household of Jesse. And Samuel begins to look at each of Jesse's sons, and he's thinking to himself, and he's asking the Lord, is this the one here? He looks the part. He looks as if he could be king. And Samuel and all of us are reminded of such a fundamental truth about God in 1 Samuel 16 verse 7, that the Lord does not look at the things that we look at. Man, people look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. 
He sees what people and churches are really like. He can see how much reality there is behind our profession. We, we walk around, we say we love Jesus, we say that we believe in Him, we say that we're followers of Him, we say that we have been saved by Him, but God knows what it's really like for us. And could it be that in our life, could it be that in the life of our congregation that we imagine ourselves to be alive and the people looking on would imagine us to be spiritually alive, but the reality is we're dead. Think about those indicators of, of real spiritual life, real spiritual health that we've thought about together in the past in this church, that desire to hear God's Word, that desire to pray in our own life and then to pray together, that real love for each other where we, where we want to bear one another's burdens. So, in your life, and here in the life of our congregation, does the reputation match up to the reality? We think of the words of the Lord about His people in Isaiah. If you look at Isaiah 29 verse 13, and there the Lord says, these people, they come near to me with their mouth, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. There is a disconnect. And it's a great danger for us today that we can come along here, we can sing all of the songs and the hymns, we can say the right things to people at the end, we can even look the part, but maybe our minds and our hearts are far from God. And what a testing what a humbling question for us today, individually and as a congregation here in Connor. Is all we are doing here a charade? Does reality and reputation match up? As individuals and as a congregation, we need to be so careful. We need to look at Christ's solution to the problem. And believe me, the solution is only found in Christ. And so, he gives the remedy here in verses 2 and 3. And the problem in Sardis is so serious, the solution has to be a radical one. Listen to those verses again. Verse 2, Jesus says to them, wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Obey it and repent. Let's look at all of the things that Jesus is telling them to do. It begins with wake up. That's what He shouts at this complacent church that needs to be shaken up. It was his verdict on this particular church. And remember that Jesus was well-placed to know what they were like. After all, Jesus was the one who was present with them 24-7. He was always there, always seeing what's going on. And it's the same for us in our lives and here in Connor. 
Jesus, while unseen, is present with us, and He knows what it is really like. And He continues, strengthen what remains. And in actual fact, there is hope in that phrase, because it indicates that there is something there to be built upon. It indicates that there is something in the life of this church here in Sardis that is actually alive. And he, he refers to those people in verse 4. He says, yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. And you know, one of the great encouragements all the way through the history of God's people is that when it seems that God has forgotten about His church, when it seems that everyone has forgotten about God, there is a remnant that remains. And that's true of this time as well. It's important that we remember that because in a time when our society is changing, at a time when many churches are struggling and when numbers are declining, sometimes we can think, well, you know what? It's everyone has forgotten about the Lord. There's no future. There's no hope for the church. And yet Jesus says, I will build my church. He tells us the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And that's a truth that we need to hold on to in this day, in this time. And Jesus called on the church here in Sardis to build on the platform that was there, that they had to return to doing the things that were the right things, the things that were profitable for Christ. They had to return to, to sharing the good news of Jesus with others around them and building the kingdom of God. And he continues, part of the, the remedy, he says, remember, in verse 3, Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. And this was the thing for the church in Sardis, and it's true of our church as well. Before we go forward, we actually have to look back. Before we can advance and do what God wants us to do, we have to get back to His Word. What was it that they were being called to remember they were being called to remember the apostolic teaching, the teaching that they had received from the apostles of Jesus. It's a teaching that we have also received in God's Word. And so, this Word that Jesus speaks, remember, it's such a great reminder to us of the centrality of God's Word, its place in our lives and in the life of this church. And it stands the reason that if we want to be the church that Christ calls us to be, that God wants us to be, then we need to know what God's will is. And He, he shows us His will in His Word. But not only does Jesus say, remember, He goes on to say, obey. And it seems pretty obvious, but there's no point in hearing and receiving God's Word, and then simply ignoring it. We need to obey it. We need to live it out in our lives day by day. That's the challenging bit, and for that we need God's grace. 
And finally, in terms of the remedy, he says, repent. And maybe you find that strange. Hang on. Is this not a church where the people love Jesus? Would these not be people who have trusted in Christ? Why would they possibly need to repent? Haven't they repented of their sin already? And yes, of course, there needs to be, as the the Bible tells us, that starting point in repentance. There needs to be that first moment of turning away from sin and turning back to God and trusting in Jesus. But this is a verse that reminds us of something that God's Word tells us throughout, that repentance is not simply one moment or one event in our life. Repentance is a day-in, day-out thing of turning away from our sin and coming back to the Lord and seeking Him. And repentance is not just an individual pursuit. Churches need to repent as well. At times, churches need to repent of their complacency, of their deadness, and need to seek the Lord once again. And Jesus finishes with the reward. And it's so important that we again see the eternal perspective that the Lord Jesus has that He gives the church here in Sardis the ultimate incentive to change their ways. Look at what He says in verse 5. He who overcomes will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out His name from the book of life, but will acknowledge His name before my Father and His angels. And yet again, the Lord finishes with that eye on eternity, with the prize that awaits, And what a wonderful truth for God's people in Christ today. The security of our belonging to God, our eternal security because of Christ, that our name can't be rubbed or or tipexed out from that book. It cannot be erased. It's a done deal. It's a sure thing. And in that, there is huge security in such an uncertain world. I wonder today as we come towards the end, do you have that kind of eternal security? If you do in Christ, it is never to be taken for granted. And if you don't, seek the Lord while He is near. Because this is the reward that Christ promises His real, authentic church, a church that is made up of those who love the Lord Jesus and who have been saved by Him. The church in Sardis needed a big wake-up call. It believed that it was something. But Jesus wanted to remind these people of the reality. What about us? And we can only be the real thing if there is a real relationship with Christ in each of our hearts if we've received these robes of white that Jesus talks about here through the blood of Jesus that's shed at the cross, let's not be a church that rests on reputation. 
and what we imagine others to think about us. But here in Connor, let's be a church that is real, a church where God is pleased by what He sees us doing for His glory. Amen.